Welcome to Home Health 360, a podcast presented by Aliacare. I'm your host, Jeff Howell, and this is the show about learning from the best in home health care from around the globe. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Home Health 360 podcast, where we speak with home health and home care leaders from across the globe. Today, we're joined by Lucy Campbell, the COO of the multi-award winning Right at Home UK, joining as a senior business support manager in 2015. In just six months, she was promoted to operations director before her appointment to COO in 2019, overseeing a network of 60 plus offices. Lucy, thank you for joining us today. It's an absolute pleasure. Give us a history lesson on Right at Home UK. When did you guys set up operations and tell me about uh, the growth? Well, we celebrated 10 years in franchising earlier this year. And um, when Ken Deary, um, who is our CEO, our founder, started off, he had a vision of 50 franchise offices. And I've been fortunate enough to join Ken on that journey, becoming part of his senior team more than six years ago now. And I'm delighted that today we've smashed through that original goal and we're now standing as a network of over 70 franchise offices, supporting more than 3,000 clients and employing over 2,000 care staff. And what's really, really exciting is that there is still so much enormous potential for right at home here in the UK. In some ways, it feels like we're just getting started. And we certainly got the potential to more than double in size over the next five years. Oh, interesting. So plenty of still uh, juicy territories available then? Yes, absolutely. So um, as mentioned, um, I think, you know, we're, we're not even halfway there in terms of our potential to to expand throughout the UK. Um, just um, earlier last year, we opened our first office in Scotland. So huge potential in that country as well. Um, and we've also got a few few offices in Wales as well. So still real potential there. Um, but here here in England as well, um, we can we can easily double the number of territories and um, which is exceptionally exciting. Do you guys have any uh, corporate uh, locations as well? We don't have any corporate locations at the moment. Um, when when Ken started right at home, and um, as I've mentioned over ten years ago, um, the pilot office was in was in Preston, and um, purposely um, an area where he knew he would be met with a level of challenge because he really wanted to test the model and to ensure that it that it worked, that it was robust before he franchised. And um, a few years later, um, we we sold that to um, Karen and Jane, who still run that franchise today. And we are looking at taking um, over another business, um, but it's not within our strategy, so to speak, to to have a large number, if any, corporate owned offices. Mm. And uh, demand since COVID hit, I'm presuming you uh, didn't miss a beat with respect to new franchisees wanting to come into the business. Yes, it was really interesting. Um, obviously, we, we work really, really closely with the British Franchise Association here, here in the UK. So um, Ken um, sits on the board and um, he's going to be chair there um, later this year. And um, what we were hearing, um, it was that, you know, from a franchise recruitment point of view, times were getting really, really tough. Understandably, um, 
in a period of uncertainty, um, people are more dubious about investing in, in business opportunities. And so when the pandemic hit, as you would expect, we risk assessed our business. And one of the things we planned for was a reduction in franchise recruitment. Um, and we anticipated that we might not get so many on board. Now, one of the things about Right at Home is that we've always taken a measured growth strategy, generally only ever wanting to onboard between six and eight franchise own, owners a year. Um, they've got to be the right franchise owners. They've mm. got to buy into our values, really be driven towards the same mission. And it's it's not for everybody. Um, and even with those really kind of stringent levels to, to access the right at home system, we still seem to book the trend um, throughout the pandemic in terms of interest in the franchise opportunity. Now, I think in, in some ways, the pandemic has done us a favor because it's thrust, thrust home care into the spotlight like never before. And we've been able to really turn some of the negatives on their head and really get the positive messages out about how a career in care, for example, can be a really, really rewarding career and diminish some of the negative stigmatisms which have come with such. And I think one of the things that has become particularly apparent about a business or indeed a, a job in care is that the demand for our services is is only growing and it's not going anywhere. And that in itself is a really, really privileged position to be in at a time such as now. I think the, the really savvy entrepreneurs and potential franchisees out there are very much in tune with that. And so we were delighted that we continued to recruit at a similar rate to, to previous years. Um, what we did do, however, is for our franchise owners who came on board, you know, very close to the time of, of lockdown, is we did give them the option to delay their start date because one of the fundamental elements of our business model is community engagement. And um, understandably, the pandemic limited the amount of community engagement which could be done. Um, but by and large, um, our business owners were, were hungry to get going. And so um, we, of course, did everything we could to support them to launch and be very, very successful. You're also the UK's most highly recommended national home care agency, according to homecare.co.uk. So what are the secrets to del delivering such uh, a high standard of care? Well, with them believers, that quality drives growth. And it's something we, we simply will not compromise on here at Right at Home. Our clients and our caregivers are absolutely the heartbeat of our organization. So we are committed to going above and beyond to ensure that their experience with Right at Home is absolutely first class at every single stage of our journey with us. So our core values um, are so important to us. They underpin every decision we make. And those values are trust, quality, compassion and respect. So particularly when it comes to the recruitment of both franchisees and staff members, as I mentioned just before, we're looking for individuals that are truly willing to embrace those values. And when you work with individuals that share those values, that truly want to make a meaningful difference, you're in an excellent position to drive forward the highest of standards. And when you couple that with a, a 
a discipline of nothing less than excellence, um, achieving such results becomes a lot, a lot easier for mm. sure. Uh, it must require a lot of patience and discipline to not, um, you know, try to put more dots on the map every year and uh, just sort of grow at a sustainable pace. For sure. But it's been something which has been absolutely solid within Ken's strategy from day one. Um, it's always been that right at home will be recognized as um, a home care company synonymous with quality and then also mm-hmm. with trust as well. And you cannot, we believe, drive standards in line with what we have done at right at home if you're going to compromise on that um, mm-hmm. to grow to grow more rapidly. Well, speaking of awards, you're also the only UK care franchise to achieve a five-star franchisee status for seven consecutive years. That's correct. <laughs> so how how do you keep how do you how do you guys keep winning them? <laughs> um, well, we've we've and it's actually nine consecutive years. Um, okay. And um, we we have a mantra of think like a franchisee. Um, so with with Ken being a former McDonald's franchisee, you might be aware, um, and um, a very successful one, um, he became franchisee of the year there. He was awarded the um, prestigious Golden Arches Award. Um, he's been able to ensure that his senior team really understand the core principles behind franchisee satisfaction. The ability um, to do this is absolutely key um, in ensuring essentially that everybody has a voice and that every franchisee is listened to. And that's why we put such a huge emphasis at Right at Home on having a really highly consultative approach. And that's an approach where our valued franchise owners have a multitude of forums to engage with us and ultimately supporting us to collectively drive forward the vision, essentially a vision that everybody has bought into. And key to this also has to be our team here at National Office, who are all absolutely dedicated to going the extra mile for our franchise owners. I can honestly say hand on heart that every single person that works with Right at Home here in our fantastic team, it really is so much more than a job to them. Mm -hmm. And that was never more prevalent than throughout the pandemic, where we saw, you know, our team members absolutely working around the clock. And that wasn't because I was asking them to or Ken was asking them to. It was because they absolutely wanted to do everything in their power to support our franchisees. And yes, I think, you know, that probably is definitely one of the um, deciding factors in terms of our success from a franchisee satisfaction point of view. Yeah. Now that sounds like you guys are uh, all about the quality and the growth comes more slowly, but you build it once and you build it right. Um, And so speaking of quality, you guys currently have a 100% uh, good or outstanding ratings from England's Quality Care Commission. So for our audience, who's uh, the majority of, of which are outside of the UK, Can you give us some insight as to what this audit process looks like and what are the items that you need to be compliant with to get such high ratings? Yes, absolutely. So just to distinguish, um, we're going to focus on our offices in England because that's where the majority of our offices are and they are regulated by the CQC or the Care Quality Commission. So the CQC inspect under what they call um, five key domains. So that's safe, caring, responsive, effective and well-led. 
So ultimately, what an office needs to do is to be able to evidence to their inspector how they comply with each of those areas, which is um, which each of those key areas have a number of key line, lines of inquiry. So essentially, a number of questions that an inspector will be wanting to satisfy in order for them to know that the business is compliant within that domain. Um, now, obviously, compliant equals good. We're obviously looking for outstanding levels. Um, at right at home, we're currently sitting on 34% of inspected offices as outstanding, which is against a national average of, of 3%. Oh, and of wow. course, getting outstanding requires you to be rated as um, outstanding in two or more of those domains. And of course, that's far more than being able to evidence that you just comply with the regulation, as I've said. It's about a, being able to evidence the outstanding impact that you're delivering, not just as a one-off for clients, but that you're able to deliver continuously for your clients, for your staff, and indeed for the community you operate in. And in terms of um, the support that we give at National Office, it is absolutely geared around, yes, making sure our officers have everything in place to deliver on the basics and to be compliant, to provide safe and effective care, but ultimately also to be able to ensure that they are absolutely equipped to evidence to our inspectors that we are not a run-of-the-mill organisation. We are an organisation which delivers quality care of the highest measure and importantly, deliver outstanding results for our clients and their families. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's incredible. So we've covered clients, we've covered franchisees. In the UK, you call them carers, not caregivers. Is that right? Or do you call them, um, are they yeah, interchangeable? We, we at Right at Home call them caregivers. Um, caregivers, got um, it. But that's not, that's not necessarily um, standard across the board. That's, yeah. um, that's very much terminology we use within Right at Home. Got it. Yeah. There's, uh, you know, uh, depending on what country you're in, there's these nuances in the uh, nomenclature. <laughs> so I just wanted to make sure. So um, I'm going to go ahead and assume that caregiver turnover is a challenge in the UK just because it's a bit of a challenge everywhere else. Can you, uh, you said that recruitment really didn't skip a beat um, during COVID. Can you bring us through some of your strategies around uh, caregiver recruitment and, and retention? Yes, of course. So I think, you know, first of all, let's remember, as I've mentioned, social care has never been under the spotlight in quite the same way. And at Right at Home, we are viewing the attention that our sector is getting as a prime opportunity to have our voice heard. And ultimately, one of the key things we're, we're doing with this opportunity is promoting a career in care. Now, um, you know, those individuals who, who who live within the UK will, will, will be very aware that there are um, there are frustrations for sure in terms of how how a career in care has been previously promoted and indeed how it's been spoken about um, certainly when we were going through the brexit scenario and caregivers were starting to be classified as low skilled which couldn't be further away from the truth for sure and you know the fact of the matter is once we had brexit in the mix recruitment um, has become harder without a doubt and essentially what it's seen us doing is starting to fish from a far smaller pond and um, we're competing with retail we're competing with the hospitality mm. sectors who are also really up against it at the moment so given this we know we've got to do everything we can to stand out from the crowd 
and not just in terms of attracting new talent, but also in terms of ensuring that we give them the very best experience at every interaction. And hopefully it goes without saying we do pay incredibly well, well above the industry average, you know, despite, you know, what is reported in the media and and perhaps of equal importance, provide exceptional training and development opportunities whilst also providing a family field culture. And I think it's this family field culture, which is what really attributes to our caregivers feeling truly valued. And then the training and development program we, we offer truly makes them feel like the professionals that they absolutely are, ultimately providing everything which is needed to ensure that they're provided with a fruitful career in care and also a a career where they feel really, really well supported. And to be honest, we're, we're really excited for the new year because we are about to launch a really, really exciting campaign, which is going to, going to be based all around careers in care. Mm-hmm. And this aims to attract people from outside of the sector. And key to this is going to be educating them on the incredibly rewarding opportunities in our sector. We can't say too much on this just now, um, but what we can promise is it's going to be different from anything that's been seen. Oh, before. interesting! I'll be on the lookout for that. I was <laughs> just at a conference where um, one of the continuing education providers in North America was talking about a program where uh, you can take their continuing education credits and uh, and they can count towards a nursing degree. And so you talk about career paths and. Uh, home health aides sort of, um, you know, taking these, these continuing education credits anyways. And, uh, in the United States, there were 80,000 people who applied to become a nurse last year who, uh, were denied because the instructors went, went on to become nurses (laughs) instead of teaching nurses. (laughs) So I thought that was a pretty creative way to, you know, try to find a way for, um, you know, upward mobility within, within the role and help people sort of, you know, guide their career path. For, for sure. And that, you know, that integration between a profession, I guess, in what is classified as traditionally social care and one that is traditionally within health is is is, is excellent. And, you know, a, a call for improved integration between departments in terms of social care and health is something that is extremely topical here in the UK. Mm-hmm. I'm super curious to ask you this question because you are my first UK uh, guest. Um, have have you guys experimented with any self-directed care programs? Like Australia has gone to a, a complete system of just getting a check to, uh, to, to pay for your own services and you're, you're in control of what packages you want to, and services you want to get. Is there any degree of that happening in the UK? Well, first and foremost, obviously, right at home as a as a business is um, predominantly private. So between mm. 70 and 80 percent of, of our business is, is private clients. So they are self-funded. So, um, you know, they, they are absolutely, you know, 100 percent self, self-directed. Of course, you know, they're using their own funds. They can choose a provider right. of their choice. And we believe that, you know, it would be wonderful if all individuals um, had that right. We believe that all individuals should be able to have a personalised care package with a provider of their choice that can deliver the the outcomes that they that they desire. And at the moment, 
it's available to some extent um, by something called direct payments, um, which is um, provided by the local authority. So when um, when an individual who who isn't um, who isn't going to um, to self fund looks to to access support with 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 paying for care, they will go through an assessment with the local authority and they will be allocated a a budget Mm -hmm. and they can request to go on to something called direct payments, which is exactly similar to what I think you've just been referring to, whereby the funds will will go into their bank account and they they can then use those funds towards care of their choice. Great in theory, um, in practice, there are you know a number of challenges that um, providers and individuals face when trying to access that. Um, and also, um, you you may or may not be aware that we are we are just on the cusp of um, of really the the government social care reform agenda coming to fruition. The long-awaited white paper um, was received um, just just several weeks ago, um, and key to that is actually looking at the funding aspect um, around payment for care. Um, the government are looking at taking a, a levy from our national insurance payments um, and that will go towards funding care for people once they've reached a, a certain cap. So essentially what the government is proposing is that people, there will be a cap on care costs for individuals. But what I will say on that point is that the devil is in the detail and when you do get into the detail, it's not quite as rosy an opportunity as it appears at first. Mm. Interesting. Do you think it's going to be direct payments? It's going to be a program that will will expand, or will it not take off? Well, well, direct payments is is, is theoretically available for, for everybody in, in in the UK. I mean, essentially, yeah. it is just payments made directly, so individuals can can arrange their own support, and everybody should be entitled to it. There was a drive from government uh, some time ago to you know, which was based on the fact that individual individuals should have a right to choice. Um, however, um, in in reality, um, it it is sometimes challenging for individuals to to access that. And the easier route is for them to just have the care arranged by the local authority. And also the education piece is not as strong as it needs to be around people's opportunities in terms of funding care. So not everybody is um, is absolutely aware of what their rights are when it comes to requesting direct payments. Mm. And if we talk about the industry as a whole, um, here's my understanding. So in the UK healthcare system, all English residents are automatically entitled to free public health care through the National Health Service. And that covers hospitals, physicians, and mental health. And then home care falls under social care, which you've already mentioned. Yes. Uh, can you provide us some insight as to like how home care fits into the whole healthcare continuum over there? Absolutely. So, so we, 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 could talk, we could talk about this for absolutely hours, <laughs> um, but essentially in, in, in brief, um, social care at the moment is, is, is separate from health from, from a budgeting point of view. Now, there is, there is, as I mentioned just before, a huge agenda around improved integration. And there have been some, some pilots with, with varying success around the integrated healthcare care agenda. Um, and essentially, certainly from a funding aspect, there is a huge call for better integration between departments because there is a, a lot of financial efficiencies for sure as a minimum to be driven um, through, through better integration. Um, the 
there's also a huge amount happening on the systems and innovation front to try and support the facilitation of better integration. Um, but in terms of social care funding, um, at the moment, it's it's not um, a given in quite the same way as, you know, if you become ill, you go into a hospital and you, you automatically have that right to NHS funding. What you would do is you're required to have a to get a, a needs and a financial assessment. So ultimately assessing what your care need is and ultimately assessing your financial position. And the outcome as such then depicts exactly what you'll be entitled to. Um, so without going into too much detail, the means test essentially works out. Will the council pay your full cost of care? Will they pay some and will you pay the rest or do you have to pay for all of it? And the financial assessment is free um, and it um, and it will be arranged after an individual has already had that needs assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, as a general rule of thumb, the council will help to pay for costs if an individual has savings less than £23,250. And um, if the council is going to pay towards care, an individual gets a personal budget and then the amount is worked out when the council makes a care and support plan with that individual. Um, But as I've mentioned, right at home, you know, a lot of the work, the majority of the work we do is, is privately funded. So we're not working with a huge number of individuals who actually uh, meet the requirements to get that financial support. But bear in mind what I've also just mentioned, the social care reform agenda is obviously um, the birth of a new procedure um, around um, access to funding to support with care as Mm -hmm. well. And my understanding, isn't there something like 320 funders? Yeah. For social care? Is that right? Yeah. 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 Uh, so that's a lot. <laughs> yes. uh, and I'm presuming there's a, a real lack of interoperability if someone gets discharged from a hospital and uh, is referred to home care or home health. Um, you, you know, you're starting from scratch with an electronic health record and there's just the systems aren't talking to each other. Is that right? Yeah. So so as I've just mentioned before, um, we, we, we're doing some really, really exciting developments are, are right at home, um, you know, around around this this very matter, actually. And um, certainly the, the NHS are, are trying to take strides forward on this integration um, model. Um, but at the moment, you know, there are there's a huge issue in terms of bed blocking because people are being, you know, discharged into the community in, in an effective way and um, better collaboration could be seeing people being discharged far sooner there's elements of care which happen within the health setting that could happen could happen at home for sure there's delays in terms of um prescriptions and so on and the whole system of better integration could could work a lot more seamlessly but yes as, as you've mentioned you know ideally it should be all digitalized in this this generation and it should be be seamless but we are we are quite a far cry from that at the moment mm-hmm. yeah it's a familiar uh, story that uh, happens elsewhere as well. <laughs> um, well, tell me one thing that the UK does really well with respect to home care. Well, undoubtedly, this is an easy question. The best thing about social care in the UK is, is undoubtedly the people that deliver care. Um, and that's no matter what provider they work for. So I'm not just talking about the amazing caregivers that we've got here at Right at Home. But actually, the the caregivers that work for any organisation, the compassion and commitment they show is just absolutely exceptional. And with the recent pandemic, it's 
throwing them into the spotlight for the right reason, showing what incredible individuals they are. And they really care. And it does take a special person to be a caregiver. And, you know, I know um, myself and, and other providers who've who've been operational throughout the pandemic have just felt so proud to be associated with such a wonderful workforce of individuals. You know, sadly, um, the way in which care is commissioned through the local authority when it's often paid for by the minute sometimes means that these individuals don't get the time they need to deliver the necessary person-centred outcomes for individuals. Um, Obviously, um, for an organisation like Right at Home, who are predominantly private, we're in a position where we can provide that quality of care and we can give our caregivers the opportunity to invest the time that's needed with the clients to get those wonderful outcomes that they deserve. I heard a, a story recently and, you know, how, how quickly we forget the fact that uh, caregivers were running into the fire before anyone even really understood, you know, what COVID really was. Absolutely. And uh, I heard this story of a, a, a client who tested positive and a caregiver who refused to um, stop seeing the client. And the agency said, well, the, the client has uh, COVID, you know, and, and the caregiver said, the client is family. You know, I've been seeing her for eight years. I'm not going to stop now. And, you know, that was such a touching story to hear. So It is. And, you know, I, I've, I've heard countless similar stories. Um, absolutely um, heartwarming, you know, and... You know, the, you're absolutely right. You know, the beginning of the pandemic, none of us knew what we were dealing with. You know, all we were seeing were, you know, horrific scenes being reported on, on the media. Um, people were, were, were anxious, quite rightly. People were scared. And yet, you know, our caregivers were donning their PPE, going out on the front line and willing to do whatever was needed to support to support our clients. And, you know, I will never, ever forget the lengths that they've gone to. They're just absolutely exceptional. Mm-hmm. Lucy, what's, uh, what's one thing that the UK struggles with with respect to home care? Well, closely linked to just what I said, um, our main challenge is workforce capacity. Um, demand is going up and up and up. You know, that's one of the fortunate things about operating in this sector. Um, but, you know, as is widely reported in the media, um, the, the challenges with, within the area are, are getting enough quality caregivers into, into the sector. Um, I mentioned earlier, this has just been exasperated by, by Brexit, um, with um, we we've got fewer fewer individuals um, in the UK now who who are who are able to provide care services. Obviously, as I've mentioned, you know we've got the retail and the hospitality industry now fishing from the same pond. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge piece of work to be done around this. Um, and you know, as again, as I mentioned, promoting careers in care, promoting it as the true profession that it is the truly rewarding and exceptional job that it is, is, is so important. And our, you know, our call to the government and what we believe was really, really missing from, from that white paper was enough to address the critical workforce capacity issue. Because without that being addressed, you know, we, we are going to continue to face challenging times. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll get you out of here on this last question. What uh, give us a reason to be optimistic about the future of care in the home? Well, we we're always optimistic at Right at Home. Um, you know, we 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 are positive people. Um, 
definitely, definitely. And um, we, we lead with enthusiasm and commitment. And we do believe that, you know, there are certainly brighter, brighter times on the horizon. You know, listening to the news at the moment, it is absolutely devastating to hear of the heartbreak that so many business owners in the hospitality and retail sectors are facing at the moment. But fortunately for our sector, the advantage that we have is that demand has never been more prevalent and it's only going to increase. And there are many companies like Right at Home that are here for the long term, committed to ensuring that our ageing population are able to live a great standard of life in their own homes for as long as possible. And that's something you've got to feel optimistic about because, um, you know, having the opportunity to play a part in that future is is an absolute privilege. Yeah. Well, you guys have a great mission. Uh, I've enjoyed my time today. I've learned a few things and uh, I thank you so much for stopping by on a Friday afternoon uh, leading into the holidays. <laughs> oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Okay. Thanks, Lucy. Take care. Bye now. Home Health 360 is presented by Liacare. First off, I want to thank our amazing guests and listeners. To get more episodes, you can go to aliacare.com forward slash home health 360. That's spelled home health 360 or search home health 360 on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. The easiest way to stay up to date on our new shows is to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also have a newsletter you can sign up for on aliacare.com forward slash homehealth360 to get alerts for new shows and more valuable content from Aliacare right into your inbox. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.